This is uh, Paul Schneiderman today on the 115th edition of the Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio. And today I have a very special guest, my good friend, University of Washington tennis legend Chet Kreil. Chet's also a member of the University of Washington Athletic Hall of Fame, inducted in 2012. I was there at that dinner, Chet, when you got inducted. Um, Chet, I'm going to get back to you in a minute. My podcast is now on Spotify, YouTube. Amazon, Google's, iTunes, Podbean. You can go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com. And I encourage my listeners to click the like button regarding my show and definitely go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com and some other outlets. Chet, I'm going to get back to you now. Uh, as I mentioned, Chet Kreil is a, was a star tennis player at University of Washington. Chet, as I mentioned a minute ago, was inducted in the elite University of Washington Athletic Hall of Fame back in 2012. Can't believe it's been 10 years Chet, since you were inducted. Chet was a star tennis player at Mercer High School. Um, he later became a top-ranked player at the University of Washington. Chet led at the University of Washington for several years in tennis. He was once ranked 25th in the country as a men's college tennis player. Chet was a 1993 ITA college tennis All-American. Chet set some tennis records at the University of Washington. Um, Chet played professionally for a while. Um, he's the father of two lovely girls and has a lovely wife, Shannon, comes from a great uh, family. Chet's now a realtor at William Real Estate, uh, one of the classiest guys you can meet in the sports world. I'm very biased today. Uh, please forgive my bias in favor of Chet Kreil as I do this. But <laughs> Chet, I do appreciate you uh, finally getting you on uh, Sports Untold, on, also on Rainier Avenue Radio. Oh, Paul, p just such a pleasure to be here. I, and that introduction, my goodness, uh, so, so flattered. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's great to be here with you. Appreciate all those kind words and, and uh, you know, known you for, for a long time and appreciate your friendship and all your hard work. And uh, I, I remember, I, I can't believe, uh, um, you know, you, that, as you said, 10 years have gone by since that Hall of Fame uh, induction, and, which I can't believe um, has gone by that quickly. And I remember vividly my great friend, Paul Schneiderman, and uh, just nice enough and loyal enough to come come to that uh, ceremony. So that was that meant the world to me, and uh, and and that was, you know, I still, you know, such a special night. And having you and and some other very close friends and family present, uh, it's something I always, you know, if you're having a tough day, look back on that day and like, wow, that was that was really special. Well, it was honored to be there and honored to be uh, um, in attendance at that event, chat back in I think October of 2012. Chet, you know, uh, we're going to hit on all sorts of subjects today. We're going to hit on some fun things and some serious <laughs> things. So just roll with me as I ask you questions. I want to get your input on a lot of stuff. And, and you, you, please tell me if I ask you a dumb question, okay? Let me know if, if that question's no, no dumb questions. No dumb. Yeah, there are no such thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's an old saying, right? Chet, you know, I want to talk to you. I don't think I've ever asked you this personally, but kind of tell us how you got the tennis bug as a kid growing up in the Seattle area. And why don't you share with us the role tennis has played in your adult life beyond your college days and your professional days. So I got two questions right there. How you got the bug and the role tennis has had in your life. Absolutely. I uh, grew up on Mercer Island and um, uh, just had wonderfully supportive family who you've met and mom and dad, um, they, they, they were somewhat into tennis and they played a little bit and got a little bit more into it. And we lived across the uh, street on Mercer Island from a park called Homestead Park, Homestead Field. And there were four tennis courts there. And um, 
we had a bucket of balls and I would go, dad would take me down there with that bucket of balls and he would, he would just serve them to me and I'd stand back there against the fence. And I thought dad had the hardest, greatest serve on the planet. And that's really, I mean, that was probably, I'd say seven years old, roughly seven or eight. And that's, it's, it's no, uh, it's not some amazing story, but that's really kind of where it started. And I really liked it and, and just uh, started taking a few lessons um, from, um, I'll tell you, my, my very first coach, a guy named Brian Adams, um, just wonderful, longtime um, tennis pro. And then he, he got into uh, commercial real estate, but, but Brian, Brian got me started and that's where, where it all happened. And up at the, uh, the, Mercer Island Country Club, and then just continued to kind of go with it, play more and more, get a few, get into the, a few of these tournaments, these junior tournaments. Um, and then, you know, had a few friends that were playing as well, and then got into the, the high school tennis and just the bug, the bug stayed with me. And I never, um, there's never a moment where I was burned out. You hear, but you hear about that a lot. You know, people get burned out, especially I think it, it was associated with tennis quite a bit over the years. And I, I think certainly a big part of that was having parents who they, they did not, they were just there to support. They were not there angry if I lost or pushing me to play 20 hours a day or anything like that. Um, they were just supportive and I loved it. And to this day, I love it. Uh, and uh, certainly going through and, and playing through high school and some of the national tournaments and then playing for your school, playing at the UW, it was just beyond an honor and, and so much fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I won't jump ahead there, but no, no, it's all good. That's, that's where the bug started. And, um, and it just, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I just, I started to play, I got to a point where, I, you know, we'd go on trips and I'd be worried that I, I didn't get out to play tennis one day. So I was a pro probably a little bit of overkill in that sense, but I figure it all um, in the end, it, the hard work paid off and, and it was just, it, 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 it was wonderful. Um, and, and I know your second question was, um, remind me your second question. Yeah, yeah no, and Chet, by the way, I never knew that, you know, I, although I've known you for over 30 years, I never knew that you got the tennis bug heavily through a park that you grew up nearby. That, that, that's a nice little tidbit I learned. Uh, the second question I said, just tell us about now that you're, uh, um, we both are middle-aged men, just kind of tell us how tennis has, has been, has played a role in your life, just beyond actually the court. Why don't you share with us like in real estate, just, just in your life in general, the role tennis has played. You know, so. Absolutely. I, I certainly the, the, what you learn in just the, the general competition and, and hard work applies Kind of across the board and you really I, I saw that what hard work can do and how that can pay off um and and so that's been a life lesson that sticks with me today and i i, I try to do my best to tell tell my girls about that but they don't want to hear about dad um but uh also the lifelong friendships um that, that i've gotten through went all the way back from junior tennis and then meeting people later in life who maybe I didn't even know during college who played at a different college. I mean, there's a guy who I hit with um, on a regular basis, a guy named Jeff Scott, who played at Seattle U um, after, after I was at the UW, but um, I got to know him just in a completely different uh, environment. And now we play once a week. And um, so the, the, the social aspect of it has 
really been amazing. And just the contacts that have been established through the years and just, as I said, I, I remember this in my, um, in the hall of fame, um, you know, when I spoke there mentioning that it's a tennis is a uniquely, oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a uniquely, um, individual sport. And so the opportunity to play within a team in, environment in an individual sport was really, was really something neat, let alone for your college, which I know we'll get to, but, um, you know, those, those experiences and those relationships, I still am in very regular contact with the men's tennis coach, Matt Anger. I love going to watch these guys. In fact, later today, I'm going to go watch him hopefully take down the university of Oregon. Um, but, but just, um, uh, yeah, I hope that kind of speaks to how valuable it's been to me. I, I just feel incredibly lucky for everything. It's all the opportunities it's opened up socially and, and just the life lessons. Chet, you mentioned something to me that I, that I've, always recognized about you and you, you kind of remind me of this when you answer the question that oh, so many of your friendships do come from tennis i I've, I've noticed that you have a lot of friends outside of tennis but i've noticed that a lot of the relationships you cultivated just uh the friendships you've developed uh in, in the whole the, through the whole sport in the whole experience so that is a, a part of sports that that is that gets kind of forgotten sometimes absolutely absolutely and and uh, you know some of these guys in junior tennis um in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you play in a division, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, you play these junior tournaments against these guys. And I can remember in the 10 and under 12 and under 14 and under going against these guys. And then a few of them were eventually teammates. And to this day, you know, keep in touch with some of those people I played junior tennis with. Uh, and then one guy who I just looked up to a couple years older than me ended up being my teammate, Aaron Gross at the, at the university. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to this day, one of my, closest friends um just pick up right where you left off and it's just it's a really and and obviously tennis has i think gained a lot in popularity over the years with all these usta leagues and it's just uh which is really neat to see and so there are people you circle back with and hey we're in this league you want to play with us or you want to just come play saturday morning i mean it's just a uniquely individual yet social sport at the same time Chet, remind me, because I have a question I'm going to ask you about the popularity of tennis. I, I do want to bring something up first. I want to get back to that topic soon. So you're the son of Bruce and Patty Crowell. You mentioned your supportive parents, very nice people. You also have a terrific older brother, Matt Crowell, and you have a wonderful um, wife, Shannon. Why don't you tell us about the influences of some of these family members, including your life, um, in, in, your, in your life, in your work? Absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, mom and dad were, uh, I start to realize now when I'm taking the kids to this activity or that activity, you know, this soccer practice, that basketball practice, and uh, which is all pretty local. Uh, I really have established uh, uh, or gained an, an extra appreciation for what mom and dad went through with just taking me everywhere, supporting me, I mean, financially, um, it wasn't necessarily inexpensive to go travel to these tournaments oh, or right. get tennis lessons or belong to this club and get extra lessons on the side. And then all the dropping off, picking up, uh, plane flights to go to national tournaments. Um, but never, never, there was never a moment where I was in trouble for losing. There was never a bit of pressure. In fact, they would try and encourage me to take some time off. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, I couldn't have imagined a better um, 
a more support, supportive set of parents. And that, that goes for, for my older brother too. I mean, and he was a very good player as well. He just did, he wanted to go a different direction. Um, but he, he would be, he would take his time to come and watch these, these matches. And I remember during college spring break, we, we'd go play a set of matches down in Southern California and he could be off doing other things. And he was out there watching and supporting me uh, when I was probably losing <laughs> quite a bit, uh, but they were there from start to finish. And, and he, they, he always, and, and to this day, I look to him, uh, my older brother for, for advice uh, and wisdom. And, and so they, they were just wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, it, I, uh, the, the kids, it, as far as the twins go, I have twins and, um, you know, Shannon, they, they, I, I haven't played comp competitively since, since they've all, I mean, little, little tournaments here and there, but um, they still have been wonderful. And I'd love to get out there with them on the tennis court. And I've tried to sort of share some of that experience with them so they can sort of gain an appreciation for the game and, and maybe um, get a little more, more serious about it. Well, they definitely have a good, uh, dad in general and with a dad with a great tennis history polish diamond host of the sports untold podcast also on rainer avenue radio with 115th edition with university of washington tennis legend chet Kral. i encourage listeners to like comment subscribe and go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com chet i could talk to you about your your you four years i believe the u-dub throughout this whole interview but i want to hit on some other subjects but i i want to just want you to hit on what were some favorite highlights of your university of washington tennis years if you're looking back, feel free to mention one or two that just really stood out memories that you had. Yeah, you know, um, boy, that's these, these are great ones. And I, uh, I, I do remember um, there was a match, I, I want to say sophomore year, Paul, uh, against, we were playing, uh, scheduled to play at UCLA. Um, and, and UCLA was a perennial top five, you know, they've got national titles, um, just wonderful tennis school. And we were, um, I remember the team went down, but my, there was one particular <laughs> professor I had, I can't remember the name and I probably wouldn't name name, but um, he, he said, I needed to stay back and take this test. I couldn't, I, I needed to be there in person to complete this exam. So the team went and then I had to, I basically, um, in a nutshell, I didn't sleep all night. I had to kind of study for this thing, get this done, and then leave early in the morning. And so I came, I arrived down in uh, Westwood, uh, met the team on basically zero sleep, and I happened to be going up against um, the num the player who had finished runner-up in the NCA individual tournament the year before. Wow. His name was um, Jason Netter. I'll never forget that. And he had he had his whole fraternity in the front. UCLA had a big stadium, and um, his fraternity and it wasn't a big crowd there to watch us <laughs> uh but he had all his fraternity uh brothers there right in the front row and, and and you know just as they should do they were harassing the uh the opponent and um not not in a uh a mean way but you know giving me a hard time and i it turned out it for some reason, I think you focus extra when you're that much more fatigued and tired. And I played one of the better matches of my life. And I, as I was kind of, um, you know, I was up a set and up a break and uh, he, he was losing, he was losing his mind. He yelled, who the blank 
is this guy? I mean, the top of his lungs. Oh my gosh. This guy. <laughs> and, and I thought, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take it to him. And I ended up, you know, just finishing it off and, and, and beating them. And I, I, I kind of, that was sort of a little bit of a stepping stone, like, Hey, I, I can, I can play at this level. Cause you know, you, you do always kind of doubt yourself until you've, you've, you've done it. And um, that, that sort of made me think back to my very first match that I played where I was, I mean, I was so nervous and I happened to be going up against a good guy from the university of California. Um, and I, I almost just wanted to get off the court and get it over with uh, because I was so nervous and, and he beat me pretty bad, but that I, I looked back on that after that match against Jason Netter and thought, okay, I, I, maybe I do belong here. And that, that sort of was a springboard um, too. And so that was a great memory. What an amazing story, Chad. We can, we can, we can thank that inflexible professor for your win, right? No, that's exactly right. I should, I, I, I hadn't ever thought of that. That would have been a great thank you card to send. You know, it's interesting what you brought up. Uh, it seemed to me when I was in college that most of the professors were generally pretty accommodating with student athletes, but this particular professor obviously took a very hard line. And yeah, and, and, and it wasn't, you know, uh, you're exactly right. I was, I felt incredibly blessed and lucky that almost, you know, 95% of the time, those, the professors were, they understood and they were very accommodating, beyond accommodating. So if one was not, you know, no hard feelings. That's the way it goes. You got a big victory out of it. You can look at. You got a big victory out of it. Exactly. Chet, you know, you mentioned your tie to the current UW tennis coach Matt Anger, and I, I think I've known that you and Matt have had a tie for many, many years. I think he was he your assistant coach. I think. In, in uh, Matt was. Um, Matt had actually he was still uh, on the tour a little bit, um, if I remember correctly, and they came to hit with us. I want to say junior year. He and another guy who were they were still sort of um kind of tying it up on the tour but they were still out there so we we played with them and then my senior year he was the assistant coach okay, okay. and so he then for if i'm not mistaken for a year went to usc which was his alma mater coach for a year and then i believe came back and that as the head coach of the uw so rough, a couple of years after i was there i've read he's been the head coach i think about 26 years but anyhow i just want to get your general thoughts on the state of the university of washington men's tennis program right now we, we have a good program but tell me if you agree with this it seems like some of the universities in more warm weather climates like maybe sc and ucla and some of the florida schools or the bay area schools for that matter may have more consistently winning programs am i off base or why don't you just share with us that, the state, your, your take on the state of the UW tennis program, and is the weather a disadvantage to getting kids to, to play up here at all? You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I would say that when I was there, you know, we, the program was not strong, and that's not a knock on anyone or the school or the coach. We were just not, we were not a, um, a powerhouse by any means, and, and we, while I was there, we didn't, uh, we, we were not able to defeat if I'm not mistaken, a what they at the time was the Pac-12 South. So we were able to beat Oregon and, and Wazoo, but um, we did not get a vic victory in my four years over USC, Cal, ASU, U of A, um, or UCLA. Uh, now, so what I would say, Paul, is that they are very strong. I mean, they, they are thought of as a as a, a very solid tennis school now, and Matt Anger has done wonders. I, I, I think he's honestly the best coach in the country. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know all the coaches. I don't, that's, and that, and that is certainly biased, 
but um, what they have there and a guy who was, um, he was top 20 in the world at one point and has been there. And I've never seen a guy more organized and more focused and someone who cares about these guys on the court, off the court. Uh, and, and, you know, weather wise, um, yeah, I mean, you are, these other schools do get to play outdoors most of the year. I mean, then again, University of Utah is in the same boat. Um, they're an indoor school and they're in our conference now. And so for as much of a disadvantage it might be sometimes, I think we do maybe have the advantage when it's indoors. Um, so I, I, I think, and I know Matt would never make excuses about indoor, outdoor. Um, but I, I, I think they, you know, certainly they've gone through a little bit of a roller coaster here in recent years and COVID threw everything for a loop, obviously. Right. But they are thought of, um, you know, they took, they took down UCLA last week. I, I saw them do that. And so that was really neat. They lost USC, but they are now, people have to think uh, these opponents, even if it's the Stanford's and the USC's, now the UW is taken seriously year in, year out, and, and they're really strong. And, and it, if I could add one thing about Matt Anger, if you don't mind, um, I'll never forget, he, he, after I was done, after I graduated, he took me to lunch. And I was going to, um, I think I had just actually gotten done playing the very uh, preliminary pro circuit, right? I didn't do it long. But he took me to lunch, and he didn't. He didn't want to talk tennis. He knew that that was kind of behind me now. He, all he was concerned about was, hey, how can I help you in your next phase of life? You know, contact, what are you, what are you thinking? Of? I mean, it was really, I'll never forget that. And that's what he, he is so well-rounded in that sense. It's just, it's amazing. That's, that's a great story about Coach Anger Chat. Um, so would you say University of Washington men's tennis program, would you say it's a, for those of us who don't follow tennis that closely, would you say it's like a top 20 division one program now? Would you put it in that kind of category? Well, or you know, I think currently they're actually, um, I want to say they're like roughly 48 in the country, Paul. Okay. That's so, great. so I guess literally they're not top 20 at the moment, but I, I think they have the pieces to be a top 20 team. Um, what I, I really do. And, and it, it, just watching the, the players that, um, Matt brings in year in, year out, not only solid, really solid guys, just very solid players. And so I think they've got it in them. And, and, you know, it's a point here and a point there, a doubles point here, uh, a game that goes one way and, and a third set. It's been so close on a few of these. I mean, the national indoors, they ran up against three buzz saws and, and although the scores, the, the final scores didn't necessarily reflect it. They were, they were pretty close. And so that's, they're, they're, I think they're teetering on top 20 at all times. Gotcha, They've gotcha. got the pieces. Gotcha. Paul Schneider again on Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Ever Radio with the, with the UW tennis legend, Chet Corral. Chet, I want to ask you real quickly, there's a young man who I believe was the first University of Washington men's tennis player to be a number one ITA ranking. Uh, may not be pronouncing his name correctly. He's from France. Uh, Clement Shideka, am I pronouncing his last name correctly? I, I believe it's Shidek. You're, you're very close. Shidek. So I, I, I'm probably right there with you on his last name. Gotcha. Um, Have you watched this young man play and, and any thoughts on him as a player? Absolutely. I was talking to a couple of friends about him over the weekend and, and just all year been admiring uh, his, his talent. He is 
as they say, the real deal. Um, so solid. Um, it's hard to find any weakness. He's just incredibly, plays very efficient. Uh, I don't think I've seen him sweat. <laughs> uh, I always said that about Roger Federer. You know, you watch Roger Federer, he doesn't, he never looks tired. That's the same way um, with Clement and just an outstanding player. And I, I've told people, I think he's going, I, you know, I don't know. I think, I believe he's a junior. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if he's coming back. Um, I think any, any fan, any UW alumni would love to see him back. Uh, playing for the purple and gold, but I could certainly understand if he um, pursues otherwise, because he is the real deal. And I could see him, I mean, boy, top hundred, not too long in the, in the world. Um, but he's fantastic. He could, a, he could be a household professional name. This guy's like really that good. I would, I say no question. Uh, he, he is, um, he's outstanding. Just fantastic. Um, and, and I was, you know, in my, in, in my prime, I was, I, I told a friend, I'm not, I'm not sure I'd get a game. <laughs> well, I think you're selling yourself short, Chet. You know, Chet, I want to ask you something, you know, you played professional tennis. I think at one time you were in the top 700 in the world. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your professional tennis, right? You, you, I know you gave it a run right out of college. Just tell us about that whole experience, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, and I, yeah, I wasn't out there long at all. Um, and, um, it was the at that time it was they were referred to as satellite tournaments and you'd play three weeks to get to the fourth week and you're just your whole mission is to earn ATP points to get a world ranking and and what I vividly remember again is the the friends I got to travel with the players who I'd you know grown up with we guys I didn't necessarily go to college with but friends from the juniors we all traveled together so I had that really neat fun group and we were all supporting each other. We'd go to each other's matches. And, um, you know, I remember being in Central America and had a four-week stint there in El Salvador, Guatemala, um, Costa Rica, and then back to, I can't remember where the fourth week was, but, um, you know, that was one satellite. And it, would, it is so, what people, you know, we see, we see on TV, and I'm sure it's a lot like any sport, and it's a lot like golf in the sense that you see these guys and you sometimes don't know what they've gone through to get there and how hard they've had to grind. And, and, and maybe you hear about the person who went to the, this academy or that academy and they were shepherded along, but these are guys, I mean, it was all these guys, whether straight out of college or some who'd been playing all their lives who were all very good. And, and, and so you're going up against, there's no easy moment. And if you lose on day one of week one, you get to sit around and for seven days and think about that loss until you next week and the next spot where the pressure's on again to play a great player. There, there was nothing, there was never anything easy. Um, no, and, and so it was just, but it was a great experience. Um, and, and again, I did not, uh, there was never a point where I didn't enjoy doing it, but I do remember, and that, I remember it was time to call it a career when, you know, I just, I thought about, I had lost a match and I was excited to get home. Uh, it, it wasn't, I wasn't too sad about losing. I thought, okay, it's time probably to move on. Cause you have to have the mentality that I'm going to be, I'm going to stick this out, go wherever it goes for a couple of years, at, at least. 
Um, but it was an amazing experience. You amazing. did it, Chad. I mean, you went to Central America. I mean, you, you got a taste of it, which so few college players ever get to. So I think that's a, a neat part of your career that you could. It, it was it was really fun and, and you do uh it was interesting paul you do then you later you know a couple years down the road all of a sudden you're watching tv in one of these big tournaments and you oh my gosh i played against that guy and, and so it was really it was really neat to have that experience to come across that and get just a little taste of it i was not in the big tournaments by any means um but just to go through the grind of it a little bit and have that experience was was super lucky and and to be able to do it because it's not that's not an inexpensive proposition either. Um, you know, all that stuff costs money. So it was just very lucky. For sure. Well, you mentioned, you know, some of the, the, the great players you, you played against or played with. And, you know, our good friend, Will Coy, and his late dad is, you know, Bill Coy was the coach at the University of Washington. It's always fascinating me to hear stories. Will tell me when his dad played against Arthur Ashe. And Patricia Bostrom has been on my show, has played, I believe, against Billie Jean King at one time. So it's just fun to hear these stories of people playing against some of these famous people so um, yeah but who, who was like one big name you played against or with that you know i vividly remember in the uh there was a satellite tournament for, you know four-week session in in hawaii on the separate islands and I, I went up against a guy named tommy haas um and tommy haas he got pretty high in the world and he was not at that time he was much younger hadn't fully grown yet and so he wasn't by any means the player that he turned into but that was kind of neat uh and then in college i played um a guy uh named david sanguinetti who eventually uh did okay on the on the on the tour um and then there was a guy oh i think i believe his name was john fitzgerald later in life i had played him or, or later i had played him in in uh, a different tournament and he was sort of at the tail end of his career but he'd had a lot of success so um and, you know those are a few that a few of the names it's fun, uh, fun to hear these, these some of these names yeah. you played you played against so chet you know there was a new york times story the other day about the issue of tennis tantrums the issue of how <laughs> you have tennis players throwing rackets and throwing balls in the stands and, and just chet give me your general take should these players be penalized and if so what do you think the appropriate penalty penalties should be for transgressions like that I, I was just curious to pick your brain on, on, on that. yeah you know it's interesting um i grew up you know we all grew up watching McEnroe, right and and let's be honest you know the is it was fun to watch him have these tantrums <laughs> and so uh, his brand you know it was yeah it was it was entertaining uh, you know and then i get kind of later in life and getting more into tennis you thought okay that yeah you can see how that's not really acceptable. And you've seen a, a few of these different levels of sort of disqualifications over the years. We saw what happened to Djokovic in the US Open a couple of years ago when he, and it, and it wasn't even actually malicious. That I wouldn't classify it as a tantrum, but he sort of, he hit the ball back and it hit the line judge and hurt the line judge. And that was, certain things can get you disqualified. So I, I think there, it seems to me there are the proper, um penalties in place on court to, to i mean it's it's warning point penalty uh uh point penalty game penalty match penalty right and McEnroe had a few of those in his career now if it's something so egregious like what happened with Djokovic you're going to get disqualified immediately so i think that on top of the fact that the players will get fined and maybe suspended uh, I, I think there are the proper measures in place, Paul. Um, but certainly it is known 
you know, there are certain players who have are more prone to those tantrums um, and and just the racket tosses and breaking and, and all that stuff. But, uh, um, you know, there, there, I think there are tantrums in other sports, too. It's just it's so isolated. Everyone gets to see it so isolated in tennis. Tennis just has a, a history of being an etiquette sport you know so that maybe the tantrums in tennis stand out a little more in some ways I don't know yeah yeah absolutely and I, and I will tell you Paul that early in, it, it, that was the one I'll never forget that you know my I tried to not go too crazy on the court usually but there was a junior tournament where I got I was not doing well I got angry I missed a, a volley at net and I I hit the ball as hard as I could to the back wall and I there was a roving umpire who gave me a warning and that was the only time, you know, after the match, my dad pulled me aside. He said, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see you do that again. <laughs> that was Chet enough. Burrell got a warning, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Chet, I want to rewind for a minute. We, there, I, I want to get definitely to some more subjects before we, we wrap up today. But um, I think we got another 20 plus minutes or so, um, if it's okay with you. Of course, so, absolutely. So, Chet, I want to, you know, as we talked about at the very beginning, I was at that great Hall of Fame dinner back in October of 2012, and you got inducted in the UW Hall of Fame. And I remember, I think Laura Malloy was in your class, and Dave Hoffman. There was just a lot of elite University of Washington athletes who were part of your Hall of Fame class. Why do you tell us, I've never asked you this, when you got that call or got that notification that you were being inducted in UW Hall of Fame, tell us about how you got the formal notice that you were going to be in the hall of fame tell and how, what was your reaction yeah i got i was on the way to a, a work appointment a, a showing some property on i think it was a saturday morning and um there was a message a voicemail i picked up from matt anger and and he said i it, basically it said i think you're going to want to call me and um and I, I i remember exactly where i was i was driving down lake city way <laughs> to this appointment and uh, when I called him back and he told me, and I, I mean, just speechless, you know, almost pulled off the road when he told me and just ear to ear grin, couldn't believe it. You know. You didn't see it coming. You didn't get any, any prior notice or anything. No. Prior warnings. Or I mean, no, I, I know Matt has always been, you know, he was always so supportive and an advocate. I'm, I knew he was, you know, I owe so much to him uh, as, as I alluded to in my, in my speech. And, um, so, you know, maybe in the back of my head, but I never, I really didn't expect it at all. And, and it was just total, total shock. And it, I, I just, I'll never forget that. And, and in fact, sorry to, I'm just kind of rambling on here. Oh, please do. I remember, um, if I'm not mistaken, you remember the great Rhonda Smith, who, who uh, Rhonda, I, I, I want to say the net last name, Bancaro, I believe is correct. Her son just played for Duke. Right, right. At the time, I think she was on the committee and I, and she had gone through about the same time as us at the UW, if I'm not mistaken, right around that same. And she was a legend and, and I sort of knew her as well. And she was also a, a, a Windermere real estate broker. And I, I, I called her just to express my gratitude. And she was, I remember she had said, made this comment that really stuck with me too. Like when I'm having, when I'm, when I'm having a bad day, I just kind of, I think of that and it really kind of puts a smile on my face. And that, that, that meant a ton too. I, I remember that sometimes when I'm having a bad day. Yeah, we got to drive by that, that Lake city parking lot. <laughs> where you were, we, we got become exactly. a historic site. I mean, I love <laughs> right. We have, to I never knew that, that story of how you got in, you know, Chet, um, 
you mentioned, I read something the other day that tennis participation in the United States went up by about 22% during the pandemic. It was a very good social distancing sport. I picked up and played more tennis beginning in the summer of 2020. Um, certainly not at your level, but I've been hitting around more or less a couple of years. Um, however, tennis doesn't apparently have I don't believe the same TV ratings it did during like the Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe and Chris Everett days, like late seventies, early eighties. Um, what do you think about the popularity of tennis that more people are playing, but correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's still, I think it's declined as a TV sport. It's kind of contradictory, isn't it? Yeah. It's a boy, Paul, I, I don't, it's a great, question. And I, I wish I had the answer to that too, because it is without a doubt. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I come across constantly who are taking it up even at, at um, 51 and at this age and, and loving it. And people will talk about uh, who they, the tournament they watched, some obscure tournament they watched and these players who I don't even know. Um, and so I don't, it's really interesting. And maybe- it's an dichotomy, isn't it? It is. It, it is. I, I don't. I don't know what the good answer would be because you do. You have great personalities in the game still, um, and uh, you know. It's. I don't know if it has anything to do with, you know, the the style of play is is very much at the baseline these days. Um, it's just it, you know most most of the time. I mean, unless it's doubles um, in a singles match, you, you usually got two players back at the baseline battling it out and maybe someone gets in the net there 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 aren't really any you know the old edbergs and boris becker serving volleyers and so i don't know if maybe the tv viewer looks at that and goes oh, i'm just watching these guys i mean i think it's super entertaining to watch these guys just battle i do too i do perhaps that's what happens happen. yeah it's it's i, I wasn't it's, it's really um it's a, it's a complex thing you have like big names like serena williams and you know you have uh you know, Djokovic and Nadal. I mean, there's some big tennis personalities too these days. So yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's just kind of interesting that maybe it will be how, how to revitalize it as a TV sport, you know? It's, it's well, yeah. And I don't know, and maybe it's, you know, there, there's the tennis channel as well. Um, right. But you do, you really kind of have the big four tournaments, uh, you know, the Australian Open, French, Wimbledon and the US Open. And, and I would, I, I don't know the stats, but I would think those still get the ratings. And maybe it's just beyond that, people don't, love watching the other tournaments as much unless you're kind of a tennis junkie right um so right. that could be it. I, I i apologize i don't have a good answer no on that. no no i i i um and like i just remember growing up there were a lot of very casual tennis fans who would turn on watching john McEnroe or some of those yeah big games in the late 70s or 80s i have memories of just you know the most not even rudimentary fans enjoying it you know so it's it's uh anyhow we'll have to see what happens there but it's uh I wanted to pick your brain on that. Chet, um, who would be a tennis player in history, uh, surviving or deceased, that you would have loved to interview or have a conversation with? It can be anyone who's, who's been in the tennis world. Someone that's always fascinated you. Maybe not the best player ever, but someone that would, you, you, that would be very interesting to have chatted with. Um, you can mention a deceased dad on the surviving one. But. Yeah, I, you know, um, I grew up, watching those Borg McEnroe battles. And I just, I, I loved Borg. I loved watching him. So that would be someone who I'd love to sit down and, and just his, you know, calm, cool and collective personality and just the way he played and, and, and the, uh, 
you know, classy out there. That would be someone I'd love to sit down and talk with. And, you know, this one might be a little boring and just maybe stating the obvious, but the second one would be Federer. I mean, I, that guy just across the board, um, the way he played, the way he carried himself out there or carries himself. We, we can't, we can't uh, call it a career yet. He's still got some, some in the tank, but I, it just, you know, go to dinner with him and, and just, That's right. yeah, just a, an enjoyable guy to be around. It seems like. Um, well, I'm going to mention two deceased tennis players and I would have yeah. loved to chat with one is Will's dad, Bill Coyan. Yeah. The second one is Arthur Ashe. He would have been yes. very fascinating to spend some time with him. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, two, tennis player is no longer with us. And um, I think Billie Jean King would be very interesting too, but anyhow, no, absolutely. I mean, you just, you hit on a couple, I mean, one super close to home with, with uh, Will Quillian Sr. Um, and, and just, I mean, where the Huskies are going to play today. They're going to play out on the Quillian courts. I know it. I know it. It would be amazing, you know, because I've heard of him my whole life and coming to the UW as well. And, and yeah, Arthur Ashe, just um, incredible. Uh, that's a, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned that one as well. So. My producer, Lucius, has a question, and um, Lucius is curious to get your feelings on this Chinese tennis player. Is, is it Pench, Cindy? Pench Wei. Any thoughts on, on just her uh, situation so far? Yeah, I mean, I followed that initially. I, I don't know where it stands now. I, I mean, I recall, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I recall that there were, you know, supposedly communications coming out from her that she was fine. Um, but there was, there were also some speculation that, okay, is this, is this true? So I don't know where things stand, um, but it was, it was definitely bizarre. Uh, and that, that's something I need to kind of get back uh, up to speed on because I don't know. Where I do too. Yeah. I will confess I haven't followed the story as close as I should have. But but Lucia but but it was it, it certainly was China, China history and so forth. And yeah, but bizarre and and disturbing for sure. Right. No, no doubt disturbing. But I haven't followed that closely. Well, Chet, I'm going to broaden these two questions, and these are two questions I've been asking on pretty much every guest since late 2019. You can go beyond tennis. You want to keep it in the tennis world? That's fine. My two questions that I with you, I wanted to get a tennis question specific on this topic, but who is a living sports figure you'd love to have a conversation with? Uh, could be a, a manager, a commissioner, a player, whoever, and who's a deceased sports figure in history, whether inside or outside the tennis world, you would love to have chatted with or spent some time with? Oh, man, those are fantastic questions. Um, I would say, um, Well, let me point out one, you know, who's always been a kind of an idol as well. Yeah. It was, it was, it, and I'm sure of yours as, as well growing up here was Steve Largent. I, I, I got to know him a little bit because he would do some tennis fundraisers, some events. And so we played doubles a few times and then sort of kept in touch. And, 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 and so he was certainly an idol and just... You uh, played oh, tennis with him. I remember I answered the phone. We were we were roommates one time. Oh, yeah. Mr. Larchin, that's so nice to talk to you. I was like so excited. Yeah. Exactly, that's right. But he was wonderful, uh, and so that was great. Um, I I think I probably spoiled the answer on one of your questions there. That as far as a living legend, um, uh, Federer. 
I mean, I, that's someone I would just love to just spend a day with or spend an hour with, spend a half hour with, um, just go out and hit with. It was just a great, great guy. And, yeah, and who's a, and who's a just she sports figure in history, whether in the tennis world, outside the tennis world, you would have loved to have just chatted with or struck up a conversation. You know what? This might be, um, this might sound a little odd because I, I love golf too. And I, if I had some more time on this one, Paul, I, I'm sure I'm going to, we're going to get off this interview and I'm going to go, ah, and I'm going to come up with about five, but because I've always heard such wonderful things about him, um, just the influence he had and what a, kind of a person he was, not to mention golfer, Arnold Palmer, um, I, I, I think he would, it just seemed like across the board, he treated people well, he didn't take himself overly seriously, um, he was popular just across the board and, and just a, a great human being. And, and, and it just has probably golf stories beyond belief. And so that would be, I, I think that would, that comes to mind initially. And he has a well-known drink named after him too. You and I will have to have Arnold Palmer next time I see you. So we'll to, we can celebrate him that way. Well, I like that answer a lot. Um, who do you think right now is the greatest women's tennis player? Who do you think is the greatest uh, men's player right now? Oh, you, as, as um, like currently, I, I think you have to give that to uh, Serena without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, she, she's dominated, I mean, just done incredible things. And right. um, although, you know, she's not necessarily at the prime of her career anymore, she's, she's still got uh, life in the tank and, and what she's done is just beyond. Uh, and I grew up, you know, I remember watching Steffi Graf in person thinking she was the greatest ever. And, and she was amazing, but Steffi, or, uh, uh, Serena just surpassed her by a lot. And uh, as much as I always root for Federer to keep getting majors, um, and I, I think of him as the greatest ever because of just his all-around aura, uh, it's, it, Djokovic, I think, is going to surpass everyone. Um, it, but every time we t say Nadal can't, uh, his body can't hold up, he wins another major. But come back, I, does he? But you, could Djokovic arguably be the best player ever? Could you go that far on him? I mean, right now, or will he be? I guess will he be? Yeah, I, I think he will be. I think because of his age and his stamina and what he's got left in the tank, I think. Now, of course, we maybe we make the mistake of measuring these things by majors won. You know, just like quarterback Super Bowls won. But I, I think that's a pretty good. Uh, uh, barometer. So uh, I, I, I'd say, I'd say Djokovic as much as I'd like to say better. Gotcha. Can I get three or four questions in chat? Is that okay? Get a few of course. Questions? Absolutely. I appreciate so, it. Um, absolutely. Having a lot of fun today. Paul Schneiderman, the host of the Sports Untold podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, UW tennis legend and University of Washington Hall of Fame member Chet Kryle. Um, Chet, I want to ask you two questions. Um, I want to ask you, what was your favorite tennis movie? Um, I think The Battle of the Sexes that came out in 2017 was very, very good. And what's your favorite sports movie in general? Oh, my goodness. I have to, um, I, I still have not seen The Battle of the Sexes, by the way. Shame, shame on me. <laughs> I, hey, 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 there's lots of movies I haven't seen yet either. So I didn't see The Godfather like till a little later in life. So, so. Uh, so let me come back to the tennis one because, Paul, I don't know that there have there. Okay, let me think because I don't think there have been a lot of tennis movies. Um, but I want to think there about that. You have like 
like Match Point with Woody Allen is like listed as a tennis movie. I mean, it's kind of pushing it maybe in a way. When you right. And then there was there was a movie. I think there was a Wimbledon. The, the title was actually called Wimbledon. I didn't see that. Yeah, so so. There's been some tennis documentaries. Well, why don't we why don't we broaden it? And I'll go back. What what is your favorite sports movie? If you had to pick one. Favorite sports movie. Um, yeah. Boy, um, let me think a little bit here because oh, there have been some just fantastic ones. Uh, Want a few clues? Hang on here. Okay. Okay. I loved. Um, oh man, what's coming to mind? I mean, you can't. You gotta love the Rockies. You know, I mean, th those those were were fantastic. Um, uh, and, and of course, I can't remember which Rocky I loved the most because I loved them all. Um, but all right, throw throw a few at me. Okay. Well, I've had a couple guests answer Rudy. Any given Sunday. Rockies come up. We are Marshalls come up. I think North Dallas 40s come up. Uh, just a whole bunch of guests have given different names. At least Brian Song. I mean, there's just there's just a lot, you know. Yeah, Brian Song was amazing. I remember that one. Uh, I remember, I remember watching my dad cry in that one. Um, but I, you know what? I, one just came to mind that I really enjoyed. That was Hoosiers. That's movies come up as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that one would probably stick out as one, as a great, uh, a, a great, and you know what, this is based on a true story. And we were actually watching it as a family the other night, the blind side, the story of Michael Orr. Very good movie. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic. Um, well, it played that mom really well. That's a good Yeah. Movie. Yeah. I think those, two... those movies have come up and Hoosiers, several guests have mentioned Hoosiers. What was, I, I got to I gotta ask you, what was your favorite? Um, I, you know, that's, I liked any given Sunday. Um, yeah. I liked Brian's song. Um, I thought the Battle of the Sexes I, was a really good one. I have a sports movie book at home that Hank, that ranks the top five. And this pundit came out like in two thousand six. He picked uh, as a top sports movie of all time a pool movie with Paul Newman. Oh my gosh! Is the number one. So so it's kind of interesting. Color of Money. Color money. It was a color money. I think it was an older one. Um, oh, was it not? No, um, no. Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. Like in the '60s. So, and he yes. had Raging Bull on the list and stuff. But, um, I, I, yeah, I'm a little all over the map. But who? The one you picked, Hoosiers, is tough to me. I think Hoop Dreams was very touching. That was a good oh, one. Okay, I, I didn't see Hoop Dreams. That's a good one too. Yeah, I'd recommend that. Shame on me. Chet, um, I got I think two more questions for today, and. A subject that comes up a lot, and I think you and I have talked about this briefly, maybe a few years back, is this whole college pay debate. And uh, whether that's, you know, it seems like there's been so many changes, there have been a lot of changes in NCAA sports. Um, give us your general thoughts that chat, and should tennis players and track players and rowing players be paid if we do have college pay for athletes the same as football and basketball players? Why don't you just uh, give, give us your perspectives on that whole, that whole discussion? Boy, it's yeah, such a tricky topic, right? And I, I think part of the challenge for me is that you know, I, um, it's all you, you got to put yourself in other people's shoes. And we all need to remember that for in whatever subject we're talking about. Sure. And I, I was, I felt so blessed just to. I was lucky enough to have a scholarship, and so blessed to be there and play for my school and have this education and have access to trainers, have access to this weight room, have just all of this around me. Um, and this ed education provided to me that, that, I, and I wasn't, 
but I wasn't on posters. I wasn't, you know, uh, there weren't jerseys of me. Uh, and, and so I was on campus. So Chet, don't start. Us <laughs> so, and, and it wasn't an issue back then. And so I, you, you know, I, it's hard to, um, it's hard to judge any, anyone, or I guess any system that wants to go that direction. Um, you know, and if, and if, if it's within the guy, if it's within the rules now and it's within the guidelines, I just don't know. Sometimes I wonder where, okay, where does it lead next? You know? Um, and so I, I you know, there are some, is, is there a slippery slope there? Um, or can we keep it kind of in, in that lane where kids are able to make some extra dollars while they're, while they're in college, you know? And, and, and kids so you're getting paid now for name image likeness. You have like kids going on KJR 950 basketball players getting paid now. It's, it's, it's changed a lot, but it's changed a ton. And, and I, yeah, I, I, and so it's, I, I probably evaded that one a fair amount. Didn't I, Paul? I mean, no, I, no it's, it's a complex <laughs> issue and you got the title nine issues with it. It's not a, I mean, there are some complexities to the whole issue. Yeah. I think there, there are a lot of parts to it that maybe sometimes people don't consider uh, maybe some ramifications, but maybe maybe those are overblown too. So, um, uh, but I, I I was just I, I was certainly I wasn't and I wasn't you know making money for the school. Um, tennis was free to watch, and and uh, I just was I was very honored to be there and and all that was provided to me. A lot, lot there that whole the whole college pay issue. There was a U.S. Supreme Court decision last year, and I'm giving a very general summary of it that they can't. It's harder to limit educational related compensation to, to students. It's not like direct financial compensation, but right. educational benefits. So a lot of the courts have sort of straddled on the issue in a lot of yeah. cases. So, yeah, ex exactly. So there's a lot there. Well, Chet, uh, this I think will be my final question. Thank you so much for finally doing this. It's just great to have you on the 115th edition of Sports Untold. And um, I look forward to seeing you again. Why don't you tell us what the future holds for Chet Crowell and your family? Just tell us what, I know you're a successful realtor and just what's in the future for you? Well, I think I'm going to go on the pro tennis tour. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to rejoin. You never know. There's a lot <laughs> Our friend Chris Scalzo is doing a lot of tournaments in middle at mid age. Yes, exactly. Right. He's a superstar now. Right. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I'm going to keep up trying to, you know, get out there once a week, play tennis, but um, it's really all about the kids now. And, and uh, it's so much fun watching them do their various little activities and what they're drawn to, whether it's sports or, you know, one of ours is more into the, into the drama um, and, and just a lot of good family time coming up. Some, some, some neat vacations planned um, trying to, trying to get down and, and, and spend time, uh, in the coming years with mom, as much time as possible with mom and dad, um, you know, that time is so valuable. Um, and, and we're, we're just so fortunate. So, you know, my brother and I talked about that. We want to make, take advantage of every moment we can with them. Uh, great people. Well, you love your cute, lovely daughters too. Well, Chet, a lot of fun today. We hit on a lot of subjects and, um, We'll get this interview uh, uploaded soon, and that's you and I get together soon. Okay, let's make it. So, well, Paul, it's been a, it's been a pleasure and an honor. You're a amazing friend. You've always been an amazing friend. We all love you, and and I can't thank you enough for having me on. Thanks, Chet. We'll be in touch. All the best. Okay. Thank you, my friend.